Welcome. There is a very important principle regarding Rashi's commentary on the Torah, a principle that we have not discussed much lately, and that is the principle that Rashi's commentary is a complete commentary. Rashi is not a commentary which, on occasion, here and there, when the author felt that he had an interesting point to make, he will make. There are great sforum like that. I mean, one can't get much greater in terms of commentaries on the Torah than the Meshechachma. But the Meshechachma only discusses six or seven sukim per parsha. The point is that on certain sukim, the, the great author of Imeya Simcha Akayan, Zechrin of Racha, had something very interesting and important and profound and original to say. So he wrote on that particular Pasuk. Other Psukim, perhaps he didn't have something so important and profound to say. Maybe he felt that uh, whatever Rashi and Ranban and the other earlier commentators had said, that that was sufficient. Or for whatever reason, he he didn't decide to write down what he thought about those other Psukim. So a commentary like Meshachachma we, as great as it is, we wouldn't call it a complete commentary. It talks about certain points that the, that the author was interested to talk about. When we look at Rashi's commentary on the Torah, that is a complete commentary. Rashi comments on almost every Pasuk, and I would contend that one aspect of its completeness is that when we have a legitimate question about the pshat, about the simple meaning of a pasuk, we should be able to answer them, to answer that question with a Rashi comment on some other pasuk. Even if Rashi does not comment on this particular pasuk directly, but since Rashi's commentary is a complete commentary, we can expect that some other comment that he makes sheds light on our question and should lead us to a correct answer. Because that was Rashi's goal, was to complete a complete commentary of the Torah. Let's take a look at some examples of this phenomenon in our Parsha this week, Parsha's Vayishlach, where I would like to raise a few questions on Pshutei Shulmikra and show how there are Rashi comments which can answer them. Near the end of the parsha, we have a long genealogy of Esav and his descendants. This is a part of the of the parsha that uh, probably a lot of people read very quickly and don't think much about, but really there's there's quite a bit here, obviously. Pasuk Lamidvav, Perik Lamidvav, Pasuk Aleph, Ve'ele Toldos Esav Hu Edoim. These are the generations of Esav, he is Edom, meaning Esav is the father of the nation that became known as Edom. Pasuk base. Esav lakaches noshov mi benois kinan. Esav took his wives from amongst the daughters of Kinan. Es Adah baselon hachiti. The first wife that he took was Adah, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. V'es ahaliv Bas Anor, Bas Sivain, 
Hachivi, and then he took a wife named Oholivamor, who was the daughter of Anor and the daughter of Sivon the Chivi. How she could be the daughter of two different men, that's something which Rashi does discuss. It's not our topic for now. Pasuk Gimel, V'yaz Bosmas Bas Yishmael Achos Nevayos. And he, third, the third wife he took was Bosmas, the daughter of Yishmael, the sister of Nevayos. Before we move on to our main questions and before we read a few more psukim, I'd like to pause here on a small point. We've been talking lately a little bit about Tame HaMikra. There is a question here that can be answered by looking at the Tame HaMikra. Pusik Bey says that Esav took his wives from Benais Canaan. And it mentions two wives that he took from Benais Canaan. Pasuk Gimel then says that he took a wife who was the daughter of Yishmael. Now, the daughter of Yishmael is not is not from the Benais Canaan. She's not a Canaanite. She's she's the the granddaughter of Avram Avinu. So, is there a contradiction here between Pasuk Beis and Pasuk Gimel? I mean, is there some confusion here? The answer is no, because the most obvious of all of the Tamei HaMikra, the one that is easiest to understand, is the one that's called Saif Pasuk. Uh, many of the Tamei HaMikra, as we, we have discussed, many of them are what are called Mafsikim, or Malachim. They tell us to pause, and they indicate that there is some, some break, larger or smaller, in the flow of the Pasuk. They show us that the word, bef- the word that has the Tam HaMafsik on it is somewhat separated from the word after it. Well, the biggest of all the Mafsikim, obviously, is the Sof Pasuk. And here, Pasuk Base tells us about the wives that Esav took from Benais Canaan. They were Ada and Ahalivama, who, is a chiv, who was the daughter of someone who was a Chivi. And on that word, Chivi, we have the Tam of Saif Pasuk. That means the the tale of Esav taking wives from Benais Knan is now over. Pasuk Gimel is talking about someone else that he took as a wife. Yes, he, he married a woman named Bosmas, who was not a Canaanite. She was a, a daughter of Yishmael, a granddaughter of Avram Avinu. So the Sof Pasuk shows, uh, indicates to us that these are two separate things. Okay, let's continue. Pasik Dalit. Vateved Ador the Esavis Eliphaz. And Ador, his first wife, gave birth to a son named Eliphaz. Uvasmas Yolda Yolda Esrauel. And then his second wife, uh, Bosmas, rather really his third wife, Bosmas, gave birth to Ruel. And then his second wife, Yolda, she gave birth, Es Yehush v'es Yalom v'es Korach, to three sons, Yehush and Yalom and Korach. Eile b'nei Esav, these are the children of Esav, asher yuldu loi be'eretz Kenan. These are the children of, of Esav that were, that were born to him in the land of Canaan. Later, in Psukim Vav and Zion and Ches, we're not going to read them word for word, but it says that Esav took his wives and his children and his daughters, his sons and his daughters and everybody in his household and his, 
and his cattle, etc., etc. He took everything that he had, and he went to live in a different place. He went to live at Har Seir, which is not in Eretz Canaan. So he, and over there he had more children. But here in Pasuk, uh, Pasuk Hey, the Pasuk uh, gives us a summary that he had the above-mentioned children in Canaan. Later he moved somewhere else, he had other children. Okay, what are some shot-level questions that we can raise on these psukim? I'm sure there are many, but what are the ones that I would like to discuss? The first one is on Pasuk base right away. It says, Esav lakach esnoshov mi benos kanan. Esav took his wives from benos kanan. Now, we have discussed many times that the normal way that the Torah tells a narrative is with what is called the, the verb form that is called vav hamahapech. Instead of saying lakach, it should have said vayikach. Yikach is really the, the future tense of the verb lakach. But you put a vav in front of it and you say vayikach, it doesn't mean he will take, it means he did take. And that is normally how the Torah tells a narrative. Like, for example, in Pasuk Dalit, it wants to tell us that Esav's wife, Adah, bore to him a child named Eliphaz. So it says, Vateled Adah. <clears throat> Vateled is, Teled is the future tense of Yalad. Teled literally means she will have a child. But you put the vav in front of it, vateled, so that it becomes past tense, and it's what's called the narrative tense, or the avar hasiduri, as I like to call it. But here in Pasuk Beis, Esav Lakach, it uses what I call the avar bilti siduri. It is the non-narrative uh, form of the verb lakach, and we have to understand why. That's question number one. Question number two is a very similar question regarding Psukim Dalit and Hey. Pasuk Dalit begins, that Adol bore to Esav, a son named Eliphaz, and that is in the Vav HaMahapech form, which we would expect. But then it continues, Uvasmas his wife Basmas gave birth to a son named Reuel, and there it uses the Avar Bilti Siduri, Yalda, not Vateled Basmas, but rather it says Uvasmas Yalda. And again at the beginning of Pasuk, hey, Vahalivama Yalda es Yeush, etc. It says that Alivama gave birth to Yeush and to two other sons. It doesn't say Vateled Ahalivama which would be the narrative, the normal narrative form, but rather it's in this non-narrative form, bor. So that is question number two. Why is the, the, uh, the, the, the birth, why is the, uh, the, the, the uh, why does it say basmas yaldoi in a non-narrative form? And why does it say in a non-narrative form? form. Our third question is actually on a later Pasuk, a little bit later. So let's first see the Pasuk. It says a little bit later when the Torah is 
discussing not only the children of Esau, but then the children of his children. So it is talking about his son, his firstborn son named Eliphaz. And it talks about uh, some uh, women that he married and the children. And then it says, Vesimna, let me, let me read one Pasuk before that, Pasuk Lamed Vav, Pasuk Yud Aleph. It says, Vayiyu Vene Eliphaz, the children of Eliphaz, who was the firstborn son of Esav. His children were Temon, Omar, Sfo, Vigatom, Uknaz. So that's one, two, three, four children that he had. Okay, now Pasuk Yud says, Vesimna Hoysa Filegesh, Eliphaz ben Esav. Timna, a woman named Timna, was a Pileges. She was a concubine, a sort of semi, not exactly fully married woman. She was a concubine, concubine to Eliphaz, Ben Esav. Vateled the Eliphaz, Es Amalek, and she bore to Eliphaz a son named Amalek, etc. And here also we have Timna Haisa in the Lashon of our Bilti Siduri. Instead of Vavatiya Timna Filegesh Eliphaz, that would have been the normal narrative way to phrase it, but here the Torah doesn't do that. The Torah says, Vasimna Haisa. Simna was the Pilegesh of Eliphaz. So here also we have to understand why the Torah does not use the normal narrative form of the verb. Each of these questions can be answered by reference by referencing Rashi comments on other psukim. So beginning with our question about why in Pasuk base it says Esav Lokach Esnoshov in the Lashon of a Bilti Siduri rather than Vayikach Esav, I think we can say here that first of all, the meaning of Esav Lakach is that it is an Avar Muktam. It is what's called a past perfect, as we've discussed a number of times before. Rashi in his commentary on Bracious, Perik Dalit, Pasuk Aleph, explains to us that if, we, if there would be a Pasuk that would say, um, Vayeda Odom Eschave Ishto, if the Pasuk there would have said, Vayeda Odom Eschava, that Odom had that Odom had relations, that he knew Chava his wife, that would mean that that act happened after everything that was spoken about before in the Torah, namely the whole creation and the whole story of the Chet of Odom and Chava. If it would then have said Vayeda Odom, that would have meant that that's the next thing that happened. But it doesn't say that there. It says, Adam yoda. It uses that Avar Bilti Siduri. And Rashi says the meaning of that, one of the meanings, the meaning of that in that context is that Adam had knowledge, Adam had had, had relations with his wife before many of the things that were told about in the Torah. Meaning when they were still back in Gan Eden and before they ate from the forbidden fruit, that's when they had relations, and that's when Cain and Hevel were born. That's the Rashi and Bracious Dalit Aleph, which is a very 
fundamental Rashi comment, which one can one can use all over the Torah to explain a variety of psukim. And here too, where it says, Esav Lokach, I think it also has that meaning. Why do I say this? Well, how does that fit in? Because we have to go back to the previous Pasuk. The previous Pasuk said, These are the generations of Esav. Now, what does it mean, these are the generations? Well, you, Rashi here does not comment on the on the meaning of the Eila Toldos, but he does comment on a very similar pasuk back in Parshas Toldos, where it says the Eila Toldos Yitzchok, where it says the Eila Toldos Yitzchok ben Avram. These are the generations of Yitzchok, the son of Avraham. Avraham Holides Yitzchok. Avraham fathered Yitzchok. Now, that's difficult. Because, well, let's see first what Rashi says. Rashi says, This is referring to Yaakov and Esav who are mentioned in the Parsha. What does Rashi mean? It seems that Rashi understood that the words Eile told us Yitzchak mean these are the generations of Yitzchak. These are the children of Yitzchak. But if you look there in the Psukim, it doesn't tell you right away who the children of Yitzhak were. Matter of fact, the very first thing it says is it tells you who Yitzhak's father was. Well, Yitzhak's father is not part of the description of, of these are the children of Yitzhak. So Rashi had to say, Ava told us Yitzhak, it's referring to Yaakov and Esav who are stated in the Parsha. We'll get to them soon after we finish off some other business. We, but we see here that according to Rashi, the phrase Eila Toldos means these are the children. Not like some before Shemu say it means these are the events of his life, or these are the matters that pertain to him. There are some before Shemu say something like that. But Rashi here is indicating that he understood that Eila Toldos means these are the children. Now let's go back to our Pasuk in Vayishlach. It says, Ve'eila Toldos Esav, who Huedaim. These are the children of Esav. Okay, but it doesn't tell us right away about his children. You have an interruption of Pasuk Beis and Pasuk Gimel, which tell us who, who he married. That's not his children. So therefore, Ava told us Asaph means these are his children. Now when it tells you who he married, that's really a past perfect. He married his wives before he had his children. Whether this was a formal marriage, Kadas Meshav Yisrael, or some other form of marriage, but he had to take these women as wives before he had the children. We, we don't believe in immaculate conception here. So he took these women as his wives previously to the Toldos. That's why it says, Esav Lakach in an Avar Muktam. Let us now address our second question. In Pasuk Dalit, Pasuk Dalit begins in a grammatical form, which is to be expected. It says, Vateled Adol Esav Eliphaz, that Adol gave birth, she bore to Esav a son Eliphaz, and it says, Vateled, in Aloshan over Siduri, with Avav HaMahapech, that is the normal narrative form. That's how we would expect it to be written. But then it continues, Uvasmas Yaldo Esra'uel, 
And then Basmas, one of his other wives, she bore, she gave birth to another son named Reuel. And then Pasakes, and that is in a Lushan of our Bilti Siduri, it's in a non narrative form, Basmas Yolda, rather than Vatelid Basmas. And then we have again in Pasake, Vahali Vama Yolda, which again is in the non narrative uh, form, rather than Vatelid Ali Vama, it says Ali Vama Yolda. As Yeush, she, she gave birth to three different sons. So why does the Torah use a Vasmas Yolda, the non narrative? form, and Alivama Yaldo, the non-narrative form. I originally thought, and I even had it written in notes from at least a year ago, I originally thought that these verbs, Yaldo, Yaldo, are also in Lushan of our Muktam. They are past perfects, indicating that although the event of Oda giving birth to Eliphaz is written first in Pasuk Dalit, but really, uvasmas yolda, that really occurred first. And vasma yolda means vasmas had given birth to Ruel. And then again, v'ahalivama had given birth to Yehush and Yalam and Kairach. It certainly is written in a form which could be avar muktam, it could be the past perfect, based on its form. And that's what I thought. Now, why would the Torah, if really Basmas gave birth first, and then Ali Vama gave birth, and Ada was really the last of the wives to give birth, so then why would the the birth of, why would Ada's uh, birth of, of Eliphaz be written first? Well, I think we can we we could answer that that the reason is because Eliphaz was the most important of the sons in the eyes of Esav. Before we go to Arashi, I'm noticing now even in the pasuk, there seems to be a, a very important connection in the pasuk itself between Eliphaz and Esav more than the connection of Reuel to Esav or the connection of Yehush and Yalom and Koirach to their father Esav. If we look in Pasuk Dalit, it says, Vatelid Adah Le'esav es Eliphaz. Adah gave bore to Esav Eliphaz. It does not say, Vosmas Yaldah Le'esav es Reuel. It doesn't say that Vosmas bore to Esav a son. It doesn't say that Alivamo bore to Esav a son. It only says, Adah bore a son Le'esav. So there seems to be some special connection between Eliphaz and, a, and his father Esav. And in fact, we find it in a Pesach and in a Rashi in Parshas Vayetze. When Yaakov first arrived uh, at the well, he went to the Chutzla, he went to Chutzla Oritz to get away from Esav and to look for a wife. And there he found Rachel, and he was very excited to fa- find Rachel. So it says, Vayishak Yaakov the Rachel. Yaakov kissed Rachel. Vayisa eskoloi vayefch. And he lifted up his voice and he cried. What is he crying about? So we're going to look at the Dabar Acher that Rashi says, the second explanation that Rashi says. 
Because Yaakov came with empty hands. Omar, he said to himself, Eliezer, Eved Avi Abba, Eliezer, who was the servant of my father's father, he was Abraham's servant. When he came out here to find a wife for my father Yitzchak, he came out here and he had in his hands nose rings and bracelets and McDonough's and, and fancy foods to offer to the family. But I, I don't have anything. Now, why did he have nothing? His father Yitzchak was a wealthy man, as we see in Psukim in Pasha's told us. Why was Yaakov traveling with nothing? Explains Rashi. The Fisha Radaf Elifaz ben Esav b'mitzvas aviv achrov lohorgoi. Because Elifaz, the son of Esav, ran after Yaakov, b'mitzvas aviv, by the command of his father, he ran after Yaakov, lohorgoi, v'hisigai. He was chasing after Yaakov to kill him, and he caught up to Yaakov, but, well, the Fisha Gadal Elifaz b'cheka shel Yitzchak, because Eliphaz had grown up at the, at the bosom of Yitzchak. He was hugged by his grandfather Yitzchak. He grew up with his grandfather Yitzchak. So Mashach Yadav, he pulled his hands away. He couldn't, he couldn't kill Yaakov. He couldn't do it. So Amar Loi, Eliphaz said to Yaakov, What can I do? What should I do about the commandment of my father? My father said, I have to kill you. Amar Loi Yaakov. So Yaakov said to Eliphaz, Take what is in my hand, take all of my money and my jewels and whatever I'm carrying. A poor person is considered like he's dead. Just like a dead person can't, can't do anything in this world, so a poor person is very, very limited in what he can do. Uh, that's a chazal. But what do we see here from this little story that Rashi tells us? It's really a midrash that Eliphaz, when when Esav wanted someone to carry out his precious plan of killing his brother Yaakov, a plan that was very important to him, something he was really fervent about, when he wanted someone to do it, who did he call upon? He called upon Eliphaz, not on any of his other children. He called upon Eliphaz. He's sort of like Esav's favorite child. He's the, he's the child that, in Esav's eyes, this is the child who is going to carry on my great mission of destroying Yaakov. So, perhaps, that's why here, in Parashas Vayishlach, perhaps that could be why the Torah tells us first about Ada bearing to Esav Eliphaz, even though really the other wives had their children first. Still, the problem with this is that there is a Pasuk later, Pasuk Lamed Vav, Perek Lamed Vav, Pasuk Tes Vav, which refers to Eliphaz as Bechor Esav, the firstborn of Esav. Now, it's true that the word Bechor can, doesn't always have to mean literally the firstborn. Uh, Rashi in, in, uh, in Parsha Shemos says that the word Bechor could be a Lushan Gedula, it could be an expression of greatness, even though 
the person is not the firstborn, but seems to be most likely, especially here in Psukim, which are a genealogy. If it says that Eliphaz was the Bechor Esav, it seems to me very difficult to claim that he really was not the firstborn. And therefore, upon further further consideration, I don't think we can say that Bosmas Yolda Esroel means that Bosmas had given birth to Ruel even before Eliphaz was born. And I don't think we can say that Ahalibama Yolda means that Ahalibama had given birth to her three children even before Eliphaz was born. That does not seem likely. But rather, I think we have to say here that there is another meaning of the over bilti siduri. This verb form, this non-narrative verb form, vasmas yalda, alivama yalda, it has another meaning, and it means has this meaning in many places. It's what Mephorshim call a choser umivayer. Sometimes the Torah will tell us that something happened in a lushin of our siduri, we'll say vatas, vateled, vatomer, and then it will add, it will tack on another point in a lushin of our bilti siduri. And that is simply to, to clarify, to add a detail, but the main thing really was stated in the narrative form. And I think here also, the Torah is saying, Vateled Oda the Esav S Elifaz. Oda bore to Esav Elifaz. That's the main thing. Those are really the main the main toldos of Esav is Elifaz. He's the main guy. But he did have brothers. I mean, they're not as significant as him, but they are certainly uh, details in his biography. If we were writing the biography of um, Albert Einstein, I don't happen to know offhand if Albert Einstein had any siblings, but even if he did, they're not the main part of the story. But if we would be writing a biography of Albert Einstein, we would say Albert Einstein was born in 19 or 18, whatever, in such and such a town in Germany. And we might say, and he had a sister named... uh, named uh, Sarah and a, and a brother named uh, Hans. That's Tafel. That's Choyzer Umevayer. That's a, okay. It's an additional additional detail. The main event is Albert Einstein was born. Here the main event is other gave birth to Eliphaz. It happened first, but it's also the main thing. Vosmas Yolda is like an additional an additional explanation, an additional detail that is part of this story. And Ali Vamo Yalda is an additional detail. Since these other children were, in a sense, tuffel, they were tuffel to Eliphaz, they were secondary to Eliphaz, so therefore their births are described as if they are simply additional details in the story of Eliphaz. What makes Eliphaz so special? Well, first of all, he was the first one. Second of all, we already mentioned that Esav chose Eliphaz to carry out his anti-Jacob plan of killing Yaakov. So I think Esav saw in him a kindred spirit. He saw him in him 
he saw Eliphaz as really being my son, just like that. And furthermore, we also saw in Rashi before um, a certain good quality about Eliphaz, that he was gadal b'chekei shal Yitzchak. He was very close to his grandfather Yitzchak. And we find in the Gemara Baba Basra, Daftes Vavam at base, that Eliphaz was a Navi. He was a very important person, Eliphaz. And we also find Midrashim that say that he was one of the friends of Eoiv. In the book of Eoiv, after Eoiv suffers all of his terrible, terrible afflictions, so then three of his friends come to talk to him and to comfort him, and they have these very profound philosophical discussions. Who is one of the friends? One of the friends is Eliphaz. Eliphaz Hatemani. The Midrashim say that's not some anonymous character. That's Eliphaz, the son of Esav. And certainly anyone who has even attempted to learn the book of Eoiv will know that those discussions that the friends had with Eoiv are very profound discussions. So this Eliphaz was a, a very um, significant person. Not entirely good, but a very significant person, and therefore perhaps he is considered, that's why he is considered to be the main son of Asaph. Our third question was about the children and the wives of Eliphaz himself. In Pasik Lamid Vav, Pasik Yud Aleph, it says, Vayiyu b'nei Eliphaz, the children of Eliphaz were Teman, Aymar, Svoi, Vigatam, Uknaz. So he had four children from his wife. Pasikud Bey says, Simna Hoysa Pilegish the Eliphaz ben Esav. Timna was a Pilegish. She was a concubine to Eliphaz the son of Esav. And she gave birth, she bore to Eliphaz a son named Amalek. And here we questioned why does it say Vesimna Hoysa Pilegish? Uh, seemingly, it should have said, Vatiyasimna. In the, the normal narrative form, would have been, Vatiyasimna. Similar to what it says in the in, in the previous pasuk, pasuk Yud Aleph, Vayiyu Benelifaz. That's the normal way to tell a narrative in the Torah, not Vihayu Benelifaz, but rather Vayiyu. Yiyu really means they will be. But the vav with the with the pasach underneath it changes it into a past tense. So vayiyu b'nei Eliphaz, teiman oimar tzvoi v'gatam oknaz means. By the way, that's five sons, not four, as I said previously. I'm very poor at counting, but anyway, when it says vayiyu b'nei Eliphaz, that means the children of Eliphaz were, but it's expressed in the normal narrative form. But here, the Simna Legesh is in the non-narrative form. And we asked, why is that? And here I think we can say again that this is a Lushan of Ramukdam. This is a past perfect, indicating that Eliphaz had taken, um, he had taken Timna, as a Pelegish, before his other wives had finished giving birth to all of his five children. It's not an absolute 
sequential narrative. It says that Eliphaz had five children, and then the Pasuk says that uh, this woman, Timnah, became his Pelegish. It doesn't mean that she didn't become his Pelegish until after he had all his children. Somewhere before he had all those children, perhaps somewhere in the middle, but certainly before they had all been born, in the middle somewhere, or even maybe before any of them were born, but certainly not necessarily after they had all been born, somewhere then Esav had taken this woman, Timnah, as a Pelegish. Now, why is that important to know? I think what it's telling us is that uh, Eliphaz, the son of Esav, not surprisingly, was not like our holy forefathers, uh, Avraham and Yaakov. Avraham had a wife named Sarai Sora. When she was unable to bear children, so finally an arrangement was made that he took another wife as not exactly a concubine, something a little more uh, honorable than that, but he, but he took another wife. He took Hagar as a completely legitimate wife or some sort of lesser stature. That's not our issue now. But he did not take another wife until it was clear that his, his wife was, was not having children. The same thing with Yaakov. Yaakov uh, married, really only wanted to marry one wife. He wanted to marry Rachel. Okay, he got fooled into marrying Leah also. Uh, Leah was having children, so Yaakov had his two wives. One of them was having children. Eventually, Rachel gave him her shivcha because Rachel was not having any children. Eventually, Leah stopped having children, so she gave her servant's girl to Yaakov as a wife. But he didn't start looking for additional wives until either neither neither Avram nor, nor, nor Yaakov, they didn't look for another wife and they didn't accept another wife until the one or the ones that they had were, were not having children, either because they couldn't have children or because they had had a, a number of children and then they, they stopped. Eliphaz was not like that. He didn't wait for his main wife to stop having children, or he didn't wait to see that she's that she seemed to be barren. No, his wife was still having children. She was in the process of having uh, having her five children, and in the middle of that, he decided, okay, let's take a concubine. Let's take um, let's take Timna as a concubine because. Uh, not surprisingly, being the son of Esav, he's a Baltaiva. He, he wants to have more and more wives. And additional support to this idea is really in the Rashi on this Pusik itself. It says here that Timna was a Pelegish to Eliphaz. Rashi, in the middle of his comment here, raises a question. He says, In Sefer Divrei Hayomim, Mona Osa Bibanov Shel Eliphaz. This woman, Timna, who is here, uh, is presented apparently as just a, a woman from somewhere. And uh, for whatever reason, there's a story behind it. We're not going into that now. But for whatever reason, she became the concubine of Eliphaz. But in Divrei Ayamim, she is counted as one of the children of Eliphaz. So it seems like he, he married his own daughter. So, the, so Rashi says, Malamid Shabu al Ishtai shall say 
he had relations with the wife of Soir, who, who is listed as her father, Vyatsa Timna Mibenehem. Timna sort of came out from between the two of them. I mean, we don't know exactly who was the father of, uh, of, of Timna. Her mother was married to Soir, but uh, she, she had relations also with Eliphaz. So really, Timna is Eliphaz's daughter, at least to some in, in some sense, maybe maybe in the real biological sense. Ukshagodla, when she grew up, Naseis Pilagshe, she became his concubine. So in other words, we see that this this woman, Timna, was born of excessive Tava of excessive lust. I mean, she was not just a, a, a normal man and a wife. Okay, they have children. That's the way of the world. This was for some uh, extracurricular activity that was uh, performed by, by Eliphaz. This is, uh, this is because of his Tava Yesera. That's how she was created in the first place. And therefore, it is not surprising that what she was, what was she quote-unquote, used for? What was her role? Her role became also to fulfill uh, Eliphaz's uh, extreme extreme desires, his extreme ta'avot. So here also we see, um, we see really regarding all three questions, that if we have a question in pshat, it is most likely, it is really <laughs> guaranteed that you should be able to find a Rashi comment, perhaps not on that Pasuk itself, but on some Pasuk, and the Rashi comment should be able to provide you with a Pshat answer on that question, to that question, and that is because Rashi's commentary on the Torah is a complete commentary.